Hallelujah. He is not dead. He is alive. You know, so many times when we're dealing with life situations, we seem to think because God has not answered our request that maybe God has not heard us. Maybe God cannot heal us. Maybe, just maybe, God is not alive. But how many of y'all know that he's not dead? He's not in the grave. He's not on the cross. He is alive. Amen. Come on, give him another hand. Praise. Hallelujah. I got to tell you that I feel excited this morning. I had, uh, when Paul and I spoke, I had a message in my heart and it was delayed but not delivered. And uh, as I was studying and preparing, God gave me this message. Your condition is not your conclusion. And I, I'm excited this morning because I know that when I'm at New Beginning, I'm more demonstrative. And, and it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. And, and it's not about me. It's about the people. But I feel like somebody needs to hold my mule this morning because I feel like shouting already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would ask if you would just, um, um, when Paul comes to our church, he wears a jacket. He does. And, and, and he, he's a little bit more demonstrative when he comes there. And I understand why, because he's at New Beginning. And when I came here last time, I was a little laid back, and I'm going to try to be laid back today. But I feel like I, mm, I'm just going to preach. Amen. Because I recognize that God gave me a message for somebody to get their deliverance, somebody to get their breakthrough, somebody to understand that this is not a religious gathering where God is not in the room. He's in the house and he wants to minister to you and to me. And he's concerned about the things that concern us. He is not dead. He's not asleep. God is concerned about us. And today you may find yourself, some of us, in the doldrums uh, of life, the situations and circumstances that seem to be contrary to what God promised for our lives. And I want you to know that he is alive. He's waiting on you so he can move in your life. As we begin to look here in Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 7, we saw Hezekiah. He was a great king, and we know that in the Bible there were many kings, but most of them were corrupt. Hezekiah is one of the three kings that find when he came upon the throne, he did positive things in the name of the Lord. And at the time that Hezekiah comes upon the throne, he's 25 years old, uh, uh, Judah is the southern part of the kingdom, the, the northern part has has split off their ten tribes to the north and their two tribes to the south. And Hezekiah is the king of Judah. And we find out that even Judah has slipped into a corrupt way of living. But when he comes upon the throne, he reestablishes the church. He goes in and he cleans out the old things. He tears down the high places and, and those uh, worshiping to uh, other gods, and he sets order in place. He is a man that loves the Lord, and he begins to pursue the things of God. And after being on the throne, 
for 14 years, he gets a message from Isaiah, the prophet of God. And Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and he says to him, put your house in order because you are getting ready to die. Now, here's a man who has done good, but God is saying, get ready to die. And he's only been on the throne for 14 years. And some of us may find ourselves in similar situations where you are a good man, you are a good woman, but things seem like they are dying in your life. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your grades because you're in college and you're saying, God, why? Because you recognize you've crossed every T, you've dotted every I, you've tried to do what is right by people if they were to ask about your reputation. You have a good reputation among people in the church. You have a great reputation among the city citizens. But somehow, for some reason, things are going contrary to what you ask God to do in your life. I don't know if there's anybody that feels like you've done good and you've gotten bad. And if that's you today, this is your breakthrough message. I want you to understand that your condition is not your conclusion. My wife tells me that when I get excited, I tend to get louder. So you can see I'm a little excited. I'm excited about the Word of God. I recall that when I came to Christ, man, I, I, I did not want religion. I wanted a relationship. And I stayed away from the church as long as I could. God reached me and, and touched me in such a way that he pulled me to him. And now that I know that he's real, I want somebody to know that he is. And he's a rewarder to those that diligently seek him. So I go to a basketball game and I don't sit there and fold my arms when my team is winning. I shout to the highest mountain, go whomever my team is. And I want you to understand it's okay if you get a little excited too. Amen. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. So listen, three points and I'll get out of your way. One of the things I want you to know, uh, your condition is not your conclusion. First, I need you to understand your condition. I want you to understand your condition. Your condition is your current circumstances. It's your current situation. It's your current state. It's the current state of your provisions or the current state of your being. I need you to know that your conditions are a fact of life. It's the facts that we face in life. And sometimes we see adverse facts. We see facts that say that I cannot overcome, that I'm going to be defeated, that I can't make the bills meet, that my business is going down. And I want you to know that your condition is temporary. I love the way that Paul says it. He says it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, we as believers are not to look at the troubles we see, we're not to look at the troubles. We are to fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. He's saying, don't look at what you can see. Fix your gaze on things that cannot be seen because that which cannot be seen is eternal and that which can be seen is temporary. And what I love what Isaiah says, he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Here's the thing. Y'all don't mind if I come down. I hope not. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
Your condition is the fact that you face in life. It's a fact, but we as believers have come to know that we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what God said. So when I see something that is contrary to what God said, now I take my faith to overcome the facts that I face because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, all things are possible. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah, I feel better already. But what I want you to know is your condition is temporary. But somebody say it's temporary. temporary. Say it again. It's temporary. I'm saying this because when you leave here today and when all the singing is over, all the shouting is over, y'all don't shout, do you? (laughs) When it's all over and you go back to your office and you look at the bills and you look at the income, I want you to know it's temporary. When you go back and you look at your grades and you know on a scale of one to five, five is a perfect score and you have a 2.01, it's temporary. It's a temporary condition. Now listen, Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, your faith does not stop it from being formed. It's formed. It's a fact of life that you're dealing, some of us, with illnesses. That is a fact. But your faith causes you to overcome your facts. For we walk by faith. Faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The fact that you can't see it says that you're walking by faith. The fact that what you see does not align with what God said, you're walking by faith. Faith. Faith is the ability to speak to a mountain and say, mountain, be moved and cast into yonder sea. Now, here's the thing. Many of us, (laughs) I'm trying to slow down. Many of us see the mountain, we pray the prayer, and we say, mountain, move. But this is the thing. Faith without works are dead, it being alone. And what we've got to understand, I pray like it depends on God and I work like it depends on me. I pray and then I begin to walk those things that are not the the way they were as if they were. And God begins to get involved in your life as you begin to walk by faith. Faith sometimes feels um, hypocritical because faith says, let the weak say that he is strong. Let the poor say that he is rich. So I've got to speak life into my life. James says, death and life are in the tongue. And you shall, you shall consume it as you speak it. I'm paraphrasing that last part. But notice that James says, death and then life are in the tongue. The tongue being the language in which we speak, the words We speak. I can speak life in my life or I can speak death in my life. And James seems to suggest that most of us, by his statement, death and life are in the tongue. He says that most of us believers speak death first. Why? Because we're looking at the facts and we are creatures caught up in this physical body that is moved by the stimuli. 
Our five senses are, causes us to interpret whether something is good or bad. But God has called you today to not to walk by your flesh, not to walk by the facts, but to walk by faith. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, you've got to see and understand your condition. It takes faith to overcome the facts that you face in this life. Satan wants to make you feel as if you are trapped, that your condition, which is temporary, is your conclusion, which is permanent. Now, if he can get you to think that something is temporary and get you to act as if it's permanent, what you end up doing is forfeiting the move of God in your life because you're looking at something temporary and acting like it's permanent. So therefore, you have a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. So he's always trying to get you to look at the facts and make you think that it's over. I love the Lord that he brought me and Paul together because I've watched you all build a building. And I've, I've come over and I, I talked with Reggie and I talked with Greg and they gave me wisdom and insight. And all along the way, when I looked at the fact, it looked like we weren't going to make it. But my faith causes me to cause those things that are not as though they were. And as I begin to speak the word, I release power into the atmosphere. Why? Why do you say that, Pastor Campbell? Because when I say I have a need and you hear that need, God could then use you to meet the need. Now, calm down. I'm not going to take an offering. <laughs> I won't be taking an offering today. I, I just want you to understand that God can use others to meet the need if I'll have the faith to claim those things that are not as though they were. So you need to understand that your condition is temporary. Don't act like you're defeated. You're not. Don't act like it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. Even what looks like death to man is still life in God. That's what the devil thought when he thought he had killed Jesus on the cross. Jesus had a condition that was called death, but his conclusion was resurrected life. Have you ever gone through a thing that it looked like it was just about to kill you? Just about the worst thing you could ever go through in your life. And then you get out of it and look back and you find out, man, I learned more in that situation than I ever thought I could. I look back and, and see that what the devil meant for evil God, used for my good. Anybody had that experience where you've gone through and you look back and say, man, when God closed the job, I didn't know that he was opening a career. When God closed the relationship, I didn't know that he was taking me out of a, 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 a fleshly relationship to give me a marriage. So what I understand that it may not feel good, but he's working it out together for our good. So you need to understand your condition. It's temporary. Everybody say it's temporary. So many times, though, as we as believers, we come in the house of the Lord and we almost think that because we are now covered by the blood, we think that we shouldn't have any adverse situations and circumstances. The only way you could believe that is you hadn't been in church long. 
Because if you've been in church a while, you know you can cross T's, dot I's, give tithes, lay on the altar, get the oil, drink the oil, lay in the oil, have problems. But I love what John says over in 1633, and this is important. He says, John says in 1633, he says, these things, he's talking about life. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. He says, in the world you will have tribulations or trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is important. As a believer, I am in Christ. He says, in me, in Christ you have peace. In the world, I've got trouble. In Christ, peace, world, Trouble. Help me out. Christ, the world, hold on to that. Watch this. There's no way for me to live in this physical body and not be in this world. He says, while you're in this world dealing with temporary conditions, while you're in this world dealing with troubles, I want you to run back to me because if you're in me, I'll give you peace. The, the trouble will try to pull you away from God. Anybody know I'm telling the truth? Every time you go in trouble, you start looking at, okay, the test is hard. Ain't nobody watching. I could cheat on the test. Not y'all, not at Christ's community. I'm talking about the church down the road. My taxes are due. Money is funny. My change is strange. I could adopt a kid for now. In Christ, there's peace. In the world, there's trouble. He knew that I would face these temporary conditions, but I am supposed to be rooted and grounded in him, I'm holding on to him so I won't give in to the world. I expect trouble. Anybody expect trouble in your life? You ought to. It's coming. Hallelujah. You know what? I've gotten to the place where I'm in trouble. I'm looking for God's hand. I know it's coming. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you until the end of the age or end of the world. God is on my side. God is on my side. You've got to make that thing personal because when your trouble comes, the way you trouble your trouble is through the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But you've got a condition that seems to threaten your life, your marriage, your home, your career. Your... And I want you to understand your condition is not your conclusion. Don't act as if it were. Because if you do, you forfeit the destiny that God has for you. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise. You got to know that it doesn't matter because you're so good, people of God. That being good does not exclude us from the trouble. Hezekiah. When you, when you get a chance, go over and read Hezekiah, 2 Kings chapter 18, 
verse 1 through 8. Write it down. Read it when you get home later. But here's a little background about Hezekiah. You've got to understand that he was a good king. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, in verse number 3, it said that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. In verse number 4, he removed the high places. In verse number 5, he trusted God. In verse number 6, he held fast and kept the commandments of the Lord. In verse number 7, the Lord was with him. If all of these things are happening, and he's a good king, but he gets a bad report, you got to understand that God has still declared your end from your beginning. And he said that in this life you shall have troubles, but in me you shall have peace. So when you find yourself in trouble, you got to ask yourself this question. Am I in the world or am I hiding myself in him? For if I hide myself in him, I can learn to trouble my troubles. See, because the devil, what he wants to do is take your praise, take your prayer. And without prayer and without praising God, without giving him the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of praise is when we praise him. And it's not because we're going to get anything. It's not because he's done anything. You praise him just because he is. Amen. So I want you to understand just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're not going to go through bad things. I'm reminded uh, uh, that that there was a story um, where uh, the Pharisees asked Jesus about a blind man who was blind from birth. They asked the question, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. It was that the word that God might be glorified through that situation. And so many times we're dealing with things and we don't understand, Lord, why me? And you got to almost ask, why not you? You're a woman of faith. Why not you? We're still talking about Job, how he went through. And it tells us how to go through. Romans tells us that God has dealt to every one of us a measure of faith. Faith is what causes us not to see our, our temporary situations, our temporary conditions as a permanent conclusion. So you see the fact, but your faith say it ain't over yet. It's not done yet. God hadn't forgotten about me. He's still on my side. He's still working it out for my good. Amen. My second point, you've got to expect God to change your condition. Expect God to change your condition and and second um, kings chapter 20 verse 2 moving into verse 3 hezekiah has gotten the word and then hezekiah does something he begins to turn his face toward the wall and he begins to remind god of who he is and how he has lived in verse number three it's interesting now watch this here Hezekiah is facing the world and his problems. And, and you got to expect God to change your condition. So what he does, he turns from facing the facts of life and he turns to where I'm not looking at that. I'm looking to the one that will give me peace. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. The Bible says 
that Hezekiah went and prayed unto God. He reminded God of what he had done. Now watch this. If, if God came in here right now, even though I prayed this morning and I prayed yesterday and I'm going to pray tonight. If God came in here right now and said, Robert, you got five minutes to live. I'd be saying, God, forget about what I thought. Lord, look over the things I did. I don't know about you. I, I, I think I'd be saying, Lord, I know I did it, but please. Not Hezekiah. He's pointing God to God. Remember what I've done. And one of the things I want you to know, he cries earnestly unto the Lord. This is not a pretty prayer. This is not one of those, Lord, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. No, 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 no. This is one of those ugly, gut-wrenching, Lord. This is not for Sunday morning prayer. This is for your midnight hour prayer. When you don't care what, how your makeup runs, you don't, you don't care if your suit is pressed, you, you don't care. God! And, and, and what God is wanting us to do is move out of the religious regalia and, and where we, he's some far off God, but he wants us to know that he can be moved by our infirmities and he, he was tempted in the same way that you and I were. And, and he wants us to be able to call on him when there's nobody else around to call on him. When everybody has counted you out, he wants you to know that he will answer and move because of your prayer. And I feel like preaching up in here. Paul, oh, please invite me back. I'm just going to do what God says. Y'all get the car started. <laughs> I want somebody to take, I, I want you, the, the same way when she threw up the scarf and the woman grabbed her deliverance and ran out with it. That's what I want you to do today. I want you to grab this word in the midst of your calamity, in the midst of your situation, dealing with your condition. Grab this word and apply it to your life. Run with it. Cast it on your situation. Speak it. Lay it on your breast. Lay it on your chest. I'm not just talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the word of God. See, because I know that somebody here today is dealing with the situation and they think that it's, it's permanent, but it's it's a temporary thing. We find out that Hezekiah expected God to move. And do you expect God to move in your condition? Do you, do you believe that he, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek after him? And we find out, look, look at the power in verse number five of Second Kings chapter 20, verse number five, he says, Isaiah's walking out. He's given the bad news. He's walking out. He gets almost outside of the, uh, of the building, and the Lord speaks to him and tells him to come back to Hezekiah. And watch what he says. He said, Hezekiah, the Lord heard your prayers, saw your tears, and then delivered you. He says, I heard your prayers, saw your tears, and then delivered you. See, some of us don't understand the power of prayer. We say we do, but when the chips are down, we, we cry, we moan, we tell everybody that will hear us about our problems, but God is not moved 
By that, what got God's attention was not the tears, was not the fact that he needed a healing. It was his prayers. Now, we know the power of prayer. But we are people of faith because those who are believers, we recognize is that we are saved by grace through our faith. It was our faith that caused us to confess with our mouth and then believe in our heart on the Lord Jesus that God raised him from the dead. So I know you're a man. I know you're a woman of faith. But too many times, people of God, we talk faith, but we walk flesh. We talk faith. But we walk in the facts. God wants us to understand he's given you this faith to overcome these facts. The facts will change. His word will never change. Somebody say yes. Yes. Mm. (laughs) Hallelujah. Facts will change. Faith never changes. He says, I heard your prayer. People of God, if prayer is so powerful, why aren't we praying more? Because we say that it works, but maybe we don't believe that it works. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. The Bible says, if my people are called by my name will humble themselves pray seek my face then turn from their wicked ways then will they hear from heaven I'll forgive their sins and heal their land so he says if you pray I'll move if you don't I won't that's Campbell first chapter (laughs) so he's saying to us I love what Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will open. Seek and you shall find. And he goes on around about the 13th verse. He goes on to say, and I paraphrase, he says, he says, which one of us being men, being evil, whose son would ask him for bread that would give him a stone? He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes on and he says, if we being evil know how to give to us, how much more does your God know how to give to you? I know I'm paraphrasing. Look it up. Read it for yourself. And what I like about this, he he gives us an acrostic. He says, ask, seek, and knock. A-S-K. Ask. Some of us are dealing with situations, but we don't really expect God to change it. That's why we're so busy working it instead of asking God to work it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give me 10 more minutes. No, give me 15. I'll give you five back. So you feel like you got a deal. (laughs) Paul, you wink at me when it's time. 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I'm going to close this thing. Paul's already winking, (laughs) y'all. He's not really, but he's getting ready to. (laughs) See, the thing is, there's a law of expectancy. There's a law. Usually we get what we expect. 
My wife is a beautiful woman. I married up. I asked her. I expected her to say yes. Before I met her, I always asked beautiful women to say yes. They said no many times, but she said yes. I had a, you get what you expect. Listen, many times it's not the most gifted athletes. They understand that. Sometimes your attitude makes the difference. So when you go to God, you go boldly. You say, God, I'm your child. I'm covered in your blood. I know I don't deserve it, but you told me to ask. Look, what, what about your children? I, 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 when my, my kids are hanging out with me, they have no problem asking me. Daddy, can we go to McDonald's? No. Daddy, daddy, can we please go to McDonald's? No, son. Daddy, can we get the dollar menu? Can we get the dollar menu, dad? No. Don't you say another word to me about going to McDonald's. You go ask daddy, can we go to McDonald's? They'll turn to their brother. They'll turn to their sister. Have no problem. My kids come home from college. They go right in the refrigerator, get what they want, and expect me not to say a word because they are my seed. They are my sons. They are my daughters. Your God, better than man, is saying, what are you waiting on? You're not asking like you believe, and you want me to change that condition? He said, without your faith, you can't even please me. I don't know whose condition I'm talking about, but I want you to know it's temporary. God wants to move in our situation, and he wants us to understand no matter what your condition is, it's temporary. If you're dealing with drugs, it's temporary. If you're dealing with troubled marriage, it's temporary condition. It's not the conclusion. Your lack of employment is temporary. Your business has gone down. You've been through rough seasons before. You ain't the captain of the ship until you've gone through a couple of storms. Amen. My last point. Follow God's instructions. Follow God's instructions. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, follow God's instructions. Now, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 7. Hezekiah has gotten the word. Isaiah then comes back and tells him, he says, listen, go take the figs, put it on the boil, and God will heal. Here's the thing. For those who may fall under some real extreme teaching that talks about faith and and say, you know, have faith. Even though the baby has a cold, don't give him medicine. The devil is a liar. Because here is a man of God telling Isaiah to tell to tell Hezekiah, listen, I could heal you without that, but I'd put something in the figs that will deliver you. You would, Listen, whenever I got a headache, I'd take an aspirin and then pray. One of them going to work. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to sit over there and just pray. God gave doctors the ability and the gift to create medicine. They take a plant. And they, they, they know how to manipulate it to give it to me so I can use it. So I, I know Paul don't teach that in here. Just pray, don't go to the doctor. He goes. Follow the instructions. Don't abstain from the medicine. Don't abstain from the instruction. What he tells them, he says, go and lay these figs on you. You all remember the great uh, Syrian general Naaman? He was a leper. And we find out that he had heard in Israel there was a prophet or uh, there was a prophet of God. And he came over and he asked to be healed. And he comes to Isaiah and Isaiah tells him to go and dip seven times in the Jordan. 
And, and, and we know that Naaman balked because when he came to Isaiah's house, Isaiah didn't even come out the door to meet him. What he was looking was for some kind of regalia. He, he said himself, I would have thought that he would have came and called on his God and, 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 and took a chicken and take the blood and lay it there and run around it five times. Whatever moves you. But the simple thing is to follow God's instructions. And I know that it doesn't always seem logical. Tithing is not logical, y'all. Giving is not logical when you're already tight. Forgiving somebody is not logical when they have hurt you. But God has asked us to follow the instructions. There are some folks who are uh, embroiled in and bitter relationships, and, and you're trying to figure out how to get through this thing, and I want you to know this is just a test. It does not matter how they treat you. It matters how you treat them. He says, follow. He says if you want to be forgiven, he says, you know, if you want to be given, forgiven much, you have to forgive much. Never limit God's method of healing or turning your situation around are doing the miraculous when you're obedient to his name and to his word. And we find out, James tells us, he says to us, are there any sick among you? He says, if there are any sick among you, in James chapter 5, verse 14, read it when you get home. He, he tells us to call upon the elders, and he says, they will anoint your head with oil, and they will pray the prayer of faith. Then he goes on and he says, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. It is powerful. It's dynamic. And what I want to say to you as I begin to close, most pastors that I know got more than one door on their message. So when they're getting ready to close, they're only closing one door. But I'm on my last door. I want you to understand, follow the instructions that God has for you. Follow the instructions. And they are understand the power of your prayer. Your prayer moves God. Understand that what you see is not nearly as powerful as what you cannot see. What you see is temporary. What you cannot see is eternal. Understand that God has put something on the inside of you to help shield you against the storms that he says are clearly coming. He says, in this world, you got troubles. In me, you got peace. So if you find yourself in the middle of your storm, which is coming, and you have lost your peace, you got to ask, if God says, I am the peace, and you don't have peace, did God move? Did you move? Follow the instructions. The enemy wants you to think that your temporary condition is the conclusion of your life. God is building up your faith. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, you are the head and not the tail. If your life stinks, find out what position you're in. Some of y'all got it. It's starting to go this way. <laughs> he wants us to know. He wants us to know. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You may find yourself dealing with insurmountable circumstances, situations.
conditions is temporary. God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. And from the, from the beginning, He knows in the end, you win. Come on, give the Lord a hand, praise. Would you stand? I just want to, I think it's all right. Am I all right to pray here? I just want to pray. I've forgotten all the rest of the rules. Why should I consider it now? <laughs> Somebody here today, you look good. But we all do on the outside. But you're dealing with issues on the inside that threaten your life, your health, your well-being, your family, your finances. I want you to understand it's temporary. All hearts praying. Heavenly Father, God, thank you today. Thank you for delivering us a word that will cause us to be delivered. God, let us hide ourselves in the covering of your word. Let us not lean to our own understanding, but let us acknowledge you. And you said that you would direct our paths. Father, you said your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Many of us find ourselves in dark situations. Give us enough of your word as a light to take one more step in our dark condition. Help us not to lose our hope. For you died and rose from the grave. And Jesus is our eternal hope. Our life is built on the fact that death and the grave could not hold him. And he said, greater works will we do. So this thing that we're facing that seems to promise death, God, we know that we are more than conquerors in you. Help us, quicken us, cause us to see who we are in you. My condition is not my conclusion. My situation, my current situation is not my eternal end. I thank you for knowing that in the end, I win. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise. <laughs>